1: It's a Monday, and we are rolling here on Sports Grid on 204 on Sirius XM. My name is Matt Peralta, pushing the odds. We welcome in the Sports Map Radio audience. Coming up, good to get them back after a week off due to all the weather in Houston. We should be good to go. Coming up for four hours today, two hours on Sirius XM every Monday through Friday from 12 to 2 Eastern Time. Hour two, we'll have Jared Willis on the program talking some baseball. Man, that Seattle Mariners story is not good. If you've missed it, we'll get to that. And I'll look at where we are as we start spring training across the southern part of the country in Florida and Arizona as we head towards an opening day. Hopefully coming up here in a couple of weeks. So baseball coming up, opening line on the ice conditions. And man... It was picturesque and gorgeous, but for those of us who are wanting to watch the Avalanche and the Golden Knights, having a nine-hour delay was not fun. <laughs> that was not good, not a good look for the NHL, and we'll, we'll get into it coming up in the opening line. I, I just, I don't know. It's very strange what the NHL, how they were not prepared for what happened with the ice surface and the sunshine, and had anyone actually realized what the sun is like coming up? I mean, my goodness gracious. So, we're doing that coming up here on a Monday. But real quick, I want to get into a topic here about where we are for March Madness. Now, we are rapidly approaching the NCAA tournament. It's all going to be in Indiana, in Indiana around Indianapolis. And I think we're going to have a really fun tournament because this is a very different year than what we have normally have seen. We have not seen a year where we're looking at the potential number one seeds being Michigan, Gonzaga, Baylor and then most likely Ohio State but I do think there is an opportunity for somebody to come in and maybe take that away from Ohio State if they don't play well if they well that loss to Michigan over the weekend was definitely costly I mean like maybe in Alabama can sneak in there if they get super hot Illinois I think is there potentially as well they could take it away from Ohio State but the Big Ten Conference with three big boys I mean, this is a big year for the Big Ten. You got Ohio State, Michigan, and Illinois, and I didn't even mention Iowa. So you got four teams right there who might really be, you know, in the conversation for the Final Four, if not the national championship. And we've spent so much time talking about Gonzaga, Baylor, and Baylor and Gonzaga. I don't think we've spent enough time talking about Michigan, Ohio State, Illinois, or Iowa. I wouldn't be surprised if a book hangs a a, a prop of who wins the national championship, a big 10 team or everyone else. Now that would obviously people would say, okay, it's Gonzaga and Baylor, but you could see that with the four teams that are playing really, really well, half of the number one seeds could be from the big 10. So the big 10 tournament is going to be absolutely incredible. I'll have as much fun betting on the big 10 tournament as I will be betting on the NCAA tournament. I mean, just because you've got such great basketball games, really every single good night, is going to be, you know, a war other than maybe Nebraska. I mean, in this whole like cycle of everyone's beating everyone in that conference—it's really wild. But everyone loves talking about the one seeds, and then everyone loves talking about you know the teams that are on the bubble. And the bubble isn't bad this year. I mean, what's interesting about having Kentucky and Duke and Michigan State and North Carolina and all these teams that normally are just you know, gobbling up big time bids? Why it's somewhat surprising that they aren't that great. I mean. You know, or maybe not even in Duke tonight plays Syracuse. They need to keep on winning. They've won three in a row, they've covered three straight games. I've got them covering tonight at home against Syracuse. They got to get going. I mean, they need to make some noise. They might get their way into, I mean, backdoor their way in to make some noise in the ACC tournament, but, you know, they got to get rolling here if they want to make it to the dance. Uh, but, I mean, Kentucky is really probably not going to wind up getting an at large bid unless they win the SEC championship. Uh, I mean, so we've got the bubble. And the bubble is a little bit stronger than in other years. I mean, St. Louis, his loss over or on Friday, really a bad loss at Dayton. That was a game that they really needed to have. They're on the outside. In in terms of my looking at at the, the bracketologists, they look like they're on the outside looking in. You know, your first four in, Syracuse tonight needs a win. I mean, they may get in, but if they lose tonight to Duke, they could find themselves on the outside looking in. Seton Hall... Needs to play better. Minnesota and Maryland are both kind of teetering a little bit here. I think Connecticut... Has a shot if they make some noise. They're going to play some top-ranked teams in Villanova and Creighton coming up, and they'll have some chances to get some some quad one wins to potentially get themselves an at-large bid if they need it. But Utah State out of the Mountain West Conference. I mean, that's a team that before their COVID shutdown, they really people thought they were going to get and make some noise. I mean, I know people who picked them to be the best team in the conference, and they really haven't played well at all, and it's been somewhat shocking over the last couple of weeks to see that senior-laden team in Utah State really kind of circle the drain a bit and not play well. So they got to get going here for sure if if they want to get in. And, you know, teams like St. John's, they need to make some noise. And the Pac-12's got a couple of decent teams, but Stanford needs to really start to make some noise if they want to make it to the dance. But the bracket is, I mean, just looking at some of the projections – I'm ecstatic for some of these matchups as we might be getting some great, great college. We always get great games in the, in, in the NCAA tournament. But, you know, Alabama as a two seed, Oklahoma as a two seed. I could lead, you know, Florida or Creighton as, you know, a five, six, seven. That's some real nice depth, some real nice talent. Villanova and Illinois, Oklahoma State, if they make it, they could be really interesting. Drake, I mean, the, the Missouri Valley Conference, do they get one or two? They better get two. I mean, I, I, that's all I got to say. They better get two. I, I I will be really, really angry if the Missouri Valley is a one-bid league, okay? Drake deserves to be in. Loyola Chicago deserves to be in. It should be a multiple-bid league. I want to see Drake in the dance, in particular with how many teams, how many Blue Bloods could be out. Give me the little guy. Give me the give me the twenty three and two, or if they win today, they'll be twenty three and two. Give me that team, okay? Let's see what they can look like. Let's see what they what they're able to do. I want them. That's what I want. I want them in the dance. We got a lot more to come. Stick around. It's pushing the odds on a Monday Thank you, Mr. Buffer. Appreciate it. Do you guys see the combat sports action on Saturday night, by the way? Oscar Valdez's knockout? Oh, my. Now, that fight should have been called in the fifth round, and it was poor refereeing in my mind, but it was a title fight on ESPN and top rank. They wanted to allow Burchett to have a chance to defend the belt, and he was the champ, Oscar Valdez, with a knockout for the ages. Best knockout of 2021, but we're early in the year, but that's going to be a knockout of the year candidate. And look, I, I'm an amateur boxer. I work out you know, a couple times a week with the trainer, and I've been doing it now for nearly two years. The pandemic really caused a massive problem for me because I wasn't in a gym for a year, so I'm just now back in a boxing gym. And you know, when you talk about dreaming up a scenario that you want to have a knockout, to go with a slip-slip left hook, like that, where you have an injured opponent who's just flailing away and throwing haymakers at you, and you just duck them both, and then you come back with the perfect punch. <laughs> I mean, it was crazy. It was just nuts. And then you've got the biggest upset in the main event for the heavyweight division in what the last 10 years in the UFC, when you've got you know Derek Lewis knocking out Blades and. It was an uppercut, a vicious uppercut in the second round. And, you know, don't bet against Derrick Lewis. It's why I didn't get involved with the fight because you just can't. In the heavyweight division, one, Blades was like minus 450, which was ridiculous. Secondly, Derrick Lewis is a Hall of Fame fighter and. In the, in the heavyweight division, one punch can end everything in both boxing or in the UFC, and that's what you saw with Lewis. I mean, uppercut, bone blades, goes to sleep, and he wins the fight. It was crazy. And I even had – I didn't really like the Broner fight, but it was okay. I mean, I watched a little bit of it. It was typical Broner, you know, 12 rounds and kind of boring, but it was okay. He, he wins – the unanimous decision on Showtime. So Saturday night, it wasn't a great Saturday for sports on Saturday night, but it was a really good Saturday night for combat sports with two boxing matches and one UFC fight uh, that all were not on pay per view. They're on, you know, c- cable. Clearly, you're you're paying for it, but it wasn't pay per view per se. So that was nice, uh, a chance to kind of flip around and watch all three of those fights. And you know, we are rapidly approaching the month of March for the UFC and. The cards, both pay-per-views. There's two of them in the month of March for the UFC. There are five title fights to be decided in the month of March. We've got the UFC's version of March Madness on top of the NCAA tournament, which will come back after being off for last year due to COVID-19. I mean, the month of March is shaping up just to be huge. And look, in February, we've already had the Super Bowl here in this month. But March is going to be a monster betting month with just a ton of really good things to get into. And I will be very curious to watch the handle for the NCAA tournament here in Vegas and what it will be like. Because I feel like people are starting to come back. I feel like there is this energy growing. Like here in Nevada... We have we have inoculated now 13 percent of the population as of Saturday. There were 13 percent of people here in Nevada who have received one of the two vaccines, at least. Uh, and there's been, I think there's like 200,000 people who have received both shots. But every day that's growing and growing and growing. And so by the time, <clears throat> excuse me, by the time we get to March Madness here in what three weeks, four weeks, three and a half weeks before we start the tournament. Three weeks from yesterday was is going gonna, gonna to be selection Sunday. So we start the tournament on Friday this time. The playing games on Thursday, the tournament starts on Friday. So, you know, three weeks from this Friday, we will be in the NCAA tournament. So I'll be, I'm just curious. I wonder how many people in the West Coast or how many people on the East Coast are going to be like, I always go to Vegas. I feel safer now. I feel like if I'm going in there wearing a mask, I'm okay with going to be in part of being a book or stay in a hotel or whatnot. But, It just feels like there's a lot of energy for the NCAA Tournament. From there, we start this hour with our four big stories. We call this The Hard Four. It's time for the Hard Four on Pushing the Odds with Matt Peralt. Monster win from Michigan on the road yesterday. Ohio State was the opponent. Wolverines won the game by five. Line opened up at Michigan, plus one and a half. It closed with Michigan laying one or two points, depending on the book. Didn't matter, Michigan wins the game and covers thanks to a blistering first half from behind the three-point line. They hung on at the end of the game to get the victory to win by five. Michigan all but shores up a number one seed in the NCAA Tournament. But Ohio State probably is going to get one as well. Jawan Howard, coach of Michigan, after the win. Overall, it was a big production for everyone that played in that game, uh, from start to finish. Uh, every guy contributed huge,
2: made great plays for us uh, down the stretch. You know, like that was a, a game that uh, I, I kind of can compare it to a boxing match, where you know one team delivered a blow. And then the other team delivered another blow, and then it kept going back and forth and in order
1: to be sustained it yet had a mental toughness and the uh, i think our guys uh show their mental toughness through some of those uh, ups and downs number two we'll have more on the ice surface and what happened over the weekend with the outdoor games for the nhl and betting on the nhl tonight coming up in the opening line but knights in the avalanche nine hour delay between the first and the second period, Colorado eventually won the game 3-2, to but Commissioner Bettman, after the game on Saturday, was asked about the ice surface and what the heck happened at Lake Tahoe.
3: We've done over 30 outdoor games. Uh, This has been the most uh, difficult weather circumstance we've had, and it's a beautiful day. But if you look up at the sun, the cloud cover is everywhere but where the sun is. Exactly. Uh, And it did a number on the ice, and we were observing during the first period players uh, getting stuck particularly in center ice and tripping or catching a skate. And uh, while both teams and coaches wanted to finish the first period. concluded after consultation and I'm sorry it took as long as it did but we wanted to try and get it right that the best thing to do is postpone for the time being.
1: Number three, what a win for Max Homa at the Genesis. That's Tiger Woods' tournament. He won the playoff over Tony Finau but after the round, after the tournament on CBS, Tiger Woods gave an update. It didn't sound all that great for him when it comes to the Masters in April.
3: So Tiger seven weeks from today final round of the Masters. You gonna be there God I hope so
2: <laughs> I got to get there first you feel uh, like you a, be- a lot of a lot of space on you know my, my surgeons and uh, my doctors and my therapists and making sure that uh, I do it I do it correctly and because um, this is the only back I got so I don't have much more much more uh, wiggle room left there. But the plan would be, maybe to get one tournament in before that, I guess? I don't know what the plan is. Um, the plan is right now is just to go ahead and get their mind and see if the annuals is sealed, and scarred over, then we can start progressing.
1: Fourth and finally, Utah at home tonight, lane 12 to Charlotte. They are coming off a loss to the Clippers. Good spot for them, in my mind, for a bounce-back win and cover, but the Nets, they beat the Clippers, they beat the Lakers, they've won six games in a row without Kevin Durant. Are the Nets better without Kevin Durant? That question was asked yesterday to Kyrie Irving. Well, we need him in in all aspects. Uh, You know, whether he's on the floor or not, uh, he makes this thing work. Uh, You know, we came here with a plan to be able to build something here in Brooklyn. And I think for the time being, when it's six in a row, all it does is just keep the world silent for a little bit and then, you know, wait until we kind of hit a bump in the road and
3: then it's what's going on with the nest? so i think we just take both polarities uh and, and just stay the course and the destination is making it to that main stage uh and
1: earning our way there first and foremost you know it's nothing's given uh so like i said we're just going to continue to enjoy the journey hmm. Six in a row wins. It's pretty impressive for those nets. Those are our four big stories for us here on a busy Monday for pushing the odds. You can text the show at 702751 MAP. That's 702751-6288 to jump on in. Wanna get some NHL conversations going. I've been pretty good in hockey. 3-0 over the last two days. Betting on hockey. Got a hockey play I want to tell you about. a hockey lean I'm looking at. And what the heck happened with the ice surface over the weekend for the NHL? Didn't anybody realize that Nevada, at altitude, the sun's pretty hot? Game time. What are you doing, guys? More on that coming up next. It's the opening line on Monday.
0: sportsgrid.com betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24 7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering real-time odds predictive betting models expert picks and more want the edge then get on the grid sportsgrid.com
2: you're just not trying
0: keep it right here this is the sports
2: grid radio network good but just the sun was uh you know, i was being down on it just a little bit too much and it was uh melt in the ice there's some big chunks taken out and you know we obviously don't want anyone getting hurt and, uh you know if there's uh if there's chunks out of the ice and it's going all the way down to the cement then you know that obviously creates a, a pretty uh difficult uh and and dangerous um you know playing environment for all the guys so i think uh i think the league did the right thing and postponing it and um you know when we came back the ice was great
1: it's Alex Martinez from the Vegas Golden Knights talking about the ice surface at the outdoor game that took place over the weekend here in Nevada. Up, uh, Technically, the, the rink was set up at, uh, in state line Nevada on the banks of Lake Tahoe. There were some arguments over like where the rink actually was placed. I, I don't care. okay. But what I do care about is that the NHL did not prepare for the sun, which is really weird for a game that was scheduled to be played in the middle of the afternoon at altitude. Because here's the thing about playing in a cold environment in the mountains. If anybody who's been a skier will tell you that just because it's cold, if you're in the sun, you can get sunburned. You're closer to the sun, you're higher up, and you're in a state that is known for its intensity when it comes to the sun. I just don't get it. According to Gary Bettman, they did their research. They went and did the studies they had to do, but did they have anyone setting up an ice rink, or did they do any type of research to realize what they were going to get themselves into in the middle of February in a gorgeous setting? I think they lost track of the actual environment just to get the pictures because the pictures were nuts. I mean, we're talking about a painting. Now, they couldn't put the – I mean, if this, this rink never would work with fans. It worked and be able to place it where they put it because there, there, there were no fans allowed. So you could put it just making sure television and the teams have the proper ability to have dressing rooms to be able to play for both Boston, Philly, and Vegas and Colorado. But I, it was weird that the ice surface deteriorated as fast as it did, and they had to wait for nine hours to replay the game. To start it back up again. Now, I had Colorado on the money line, so I was all bent out of shape because they were up one nothing. And then I'm going, My goodness, what happens nine hours later? And luckily it was a 3-2 win for Colorado for me, but it was nine hours in between each game. And then the Bruins and the Flyers, that game turns into just a laugher. The Bruins win the game seven to three. And I stayed away. I didn't bet either one of those games because, or the, the second game or any side or total on the second game because I didn't know what to make of the ice surface. I was like, okay, I'm already committed to Colorado, but I'm not going to go ahead and bank on a Sunday that they fixed the problems, they pushed the game back. By all accounts, the ice surface was fine away from the sun. So they had everything set up except for the fact that the sun was a problem. Again, this is from the hard four, but this is Gary Bettman who... I mean, he's saying we have experience doing this, but doesn't he realize? And didn't anyone at the NHL realize that the sun melts ice? Batman from Saturday.
3: We've done over 30 outdoor games. Uh, this has been the most uh, difficult weather circumstance we've had, and it's a beautiful day. Great. But if you look up at the sun, the cloud cover is everywhere but where the sun is. Exactly. Uh, and it's uh did a number on the ice. And we were observing during the first period players uh, getting stuck, particularly in center ice, and tripping or catching a skate. And uh, while both teams and coaches wanted to finish the first period, we we concluded after consultation, and I'm sorry it took as long as it did, but we wanted to try and get it right, that the best thing to do is postpone for the time being.
1: The game started back up again at midnight Eastern, 9 p.m. Pacific time, midnight Eastern. You were, worried, you were thinking that the cloud cover was going to save you? Like, what? <laughs> oh, the sun, yeah, but the cloud will, will protect us. Well, what happens if it's really sunny? Well, um... We don't know. <laughs> like, what do you mean you don't know? Th- that was bad. That was really, really bad. Credit the ABS, however. This is Gabriel Leniskog from the Avalanche. According to him, the Avalanche had no problems waiting nine hours to resume. Earlier today, we were ready to play in there. And even if it was, the yeah, ice was pretty bad and, and slushy, obviously, because of the sun. But we were still ready to play, obviously, with a production like this and people all around the world. I got you know, we got family at home sitting up late watching it, uh, you know, with this whole production. We
2: weren't going to cancel it. And then they didn't want to play, it seemed like, but we did. And, and luckily, we were
1: able to get it done here tonight. And the ice was great. And uh, I thought we came out, played a pretty solid game. And I think the yeah. overall experience, just like I said, it was, it was amazing. And, and I think um, it, it's a memory of a lifetime. And, and finally, we broke the curse of these outdoor games and we we'll were able to win one. So it makes it a lot more special. Interesting the comment he just said about they didn't want to play meaning Vegas because Vegas and Colorado play again tonight in Colorado Vegas is a plus 120 dog on the money line at the FanDuel Sportsbook Colorado at minus 142 the Avs are just a better hockey team right now the the previous 3 games between these two have all gone under one nothing Vegas 3-2 Colorado Colorado, the final scores over the last three games. The total tonight is 5.5. Under minus 110, over minus 110. So the books are kind of telling you that either or could happen. I have no play on this game because I don't know what to make of it. I can make a case for Colorado winning the game again. They're the better team. I can make a case for Vegas being really mad about the fact that you've got Avalanche players saying publicly that they didn't want to play on the ice. We did. That's kind of calling someone's toughness into question in hockey, and I can easily see Vegas getting very offended by that and come out and play really hard and play really hard because they've lost back-to-back games to Colorado, and they know that these two teams themselves and the Avalanche are really two of the best teams in the Western Conference, and they could very well be matching up against each other in the Western Conference Finals. So, this is a game I'm going to watch tonight. I'm not going to play it, I'm going to watch it tonight. One game I have played is Tampa Bay at Carolina. The Tampa Bay Lightning have lost three out of four. Things aren't going well right now for Tampa. They lost 4 nothing to the Hurricanes in their last game on Saturday, two games ago, same place, same team, against Carolina. I got Tampa... At minus 126, it's now up to minus 132 at the FanDuel Sportsbook. But I think Tampa Bay bounces back. This is too good of a hockey team to be losing games like this. And, and the Hurricanes are good, but you lose 4-0. You get skunked like that. I think there's some real energy on the Tampa Bay side tonight just to get a victory. I like Tampa to win this game tonight. It's my only play in hockey so far today is Tampa on the money line to win over Carolina. I looked at the Islanders and the Sabres. The Sabres are a bad hockey team, but I don't like laying minus 172 juice on a team in the Islanders that really have a tough time scoring goals. I've been betting the under for Islander games for the last week and a half, and it's been pretty profitable to come in here on the under for the Islanders. I'm just not there yet to be able to take them. I'm not up against a Sabres team that, I mean, again, it should. If you're looking at who should win this game, the Islanders absolutely should win this game. But I don't know. It's pre, The price is not right for me at minus 172. That's a little expensive. I would probably look at the under here in, in this game, just given the way Buffalo has been offensively. But I don't know. I mean, defensively you know the islanders haven't been all that good they lost 4-1 and 3-2 to the pittsburgh penguins their last in last two games out 3 nothing and 3-1 the last time these two teams played so you say all right well the under has been coming in here consistently with these guys but i'm just not comfortable with one, the Islanders' offense, which could break out, and two, the Sabers' defense, which also could give up a bunch of goals. I mean, they gave up five goals to the Devils, for goodness sakes, a couple of games ago. So last four games in a row, the under has hit for the Sabres. Last four games in a row, the Islanders' under has hit as well. So five and a half at the FanDuel Sportsbook. If you're looking at Sabres-Islanders, under is juiced up to minus 140. The over is plus 120. I might get involved with that later today. You guys can always follow me on Twitter, at Sports Talk Matt. If I ever add stuff, I, I, ever, I, I always hashtag it with PTO Picks. And then I will put up my Twitter account, at Sports Matt. But I'm not there yet for that game. And then I'm not there either uh, for the Golden Knights and the Avalanche. I, I might add the under on that. The under has hit all three times. Look, I've compared betting unders in the NHL to like getting your guts pulled out slowly. It's just a torturous experience. But right now, over the last couple of days, goals have not been flying around. It feels like the defenses are finally figuring it out, and it feels like the goaltenders are starting to get into game form, and they're starting to play. Early in the year, there were some ridiculous – I mean, look at 7-3 Boston and Philadelphia from yesterday. So, sure, we're still getting some ridiculous games. But it feels like across the entire NHL – that the scoring is starting to come back down just a little bit and going over six-and-a-half goals like Tampa and Carolina tonight. The total is six-and-a-half. The under is juiced to minus 125 at the FanDuel Sportsbook. I'm just not really there yet to be able to say, okay, let's go ahead and say tons of offense. Tampa got shut out last game. I'd rather just say Tampa wins at minus 132. I got it at minus 126 here in Vegas, but fanduel has got it at minus 132. I don't think that's too expensive here for a Tampa team that's lost three of four and coming off of a four-nothing loss to the Hurricane. So that's the one play I have made. Looking at Vegas and Colorado for the under. Looking at Buffalo and the, the Islanders for the under. Maple Leafs' Flames is the other one that I kind of thought about a little bit, but I, I, I'm i not going to lay minus 154 here with Toronto. And I can't take Calgary. I just, I, I can't go with the Flames at plus 130. I'm just, I can't get, I can't back Calgary right now. I'm just not there. So only one play officially in hockey with the lightning on the money line. But I could add some others as well as the day goes on. Let's talk some baseball. Jared Willis covers Major League Baseball for Forbes. Let's talk about where we are with the game and the big controversy happening in Seattle with their GM's comments next year. Unfortunately, us
0: sportsgrid.com betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24 7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering real-time odds predictive betting models expert picks and more want the edge then get on the grid sportsgrid.com
1: from forbes here on pushing the odds jared Matt Peralta, how are you i'm good how are you doing I'm great. Thanks for coming on. I want to start with this controversy in Seattle and then get to some other stories involving baseball, but Mariners president Kevin Mather is apologizing for comments he made at a Rotary Club where he was questioning the English-speaking capabilities of two members of the organization and he, he called it you know, terrible and not tremendous, their ability to speak English. The Seattle fan base, on Twitter at least, has been really angry. Comments about Kyle Seeger being overpaid has caused his wife to come up here and tweet, okay, should I be pulling my house on the market? Hey, look, this is not a good story by any means at the start of spring training, but but can Kevin Mather stay with the organization in your mind?
2: Uh, yeah, I mean, he's, he's definitely stepped in it here. Um, and I mean, to be frank no i mean i don't I don't think that that he can I don't think that he should because I don't think that someone who um views his team who views the, the people who work for him, the people who play for him um someone who views them the the way that he seems to based on his comments. I don't think that's somebody who should be uh running a baseball team um mm-hmm. particularly you know when you, you you so openly talk about a uh, a player like Seager, who's been with them for so long, you so openly talk about, um, you know, players who who rely on translators um, to whatever degree that they do. That's, you know, that's and, and these are public comments that he had to have known. I mean, the, the, the stuff's going to get out. I, I don't know. Like to speak that freely uh, tells me that a lot of these feelings run even deeper, perhaps than than what we heard.
1: Yeah, it's not not a good situation at all for Seattle. The, the team issued a statement saying his comments don't represent the university, but he's the president of the team. So it's a little hard to separate him right. from the team and say, oh, those are his personal views, but, these are guys who are working for this man, and he's making these comments. So yeah, I'm with you. I don't. I don't see how he stays uh, with the organization, and it feels like the. It looks like now that people around Seattle do not want him to stick around. So we'll, we'll see what the team, what ownership's going to do here with with Kevin Mather. But all right. So the big contract. It's Fernando Tatis's world. I mean, what a contract! 340 million dollars at you know 22 years of age. My only question is this, Jared. At, at, at 22. Did you know what the next fourteen of your years were going to look like? Because I didn't.
2: <laughs> no, I barely knew what the next fourteen days looked like. Right. <laughs> um, so, I mean, it, it's yeah, it's pretty incredible. Um, you know, if there's I mean, clearly San Diego looks at him and says, "We says we know what we've got here. We trust that this guy is really legit." I mean, it's a huge contract to give to somebody who doesn't even have 600 plate appearances in the majors yet um you know clearly he's talented but to invest that much over that long of a period um that's a a testament to how they view this player Uh, but yeah for a 22 year old to be able to project out the next 14 years of your life that's that's pretty rare for sure
1: what do you make of the two contracts combined not just you have tatis now but machado's contract as well I mean, I mean, you know, they're obviously pushing all their chips in here and going after it. But are are they looking at potential if they don't do well, they don't play well? Could they be in real trouble here down the down the road with these two big mega contracts?
2: It could be for sure. I mean, if this doesn't pan out, they've 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 pushed all their chips in, especially for this year. Um, not only with these contracts, but with some of the trades that they've made. Mm. Um, they're, they're pushing their chips in because they, you know, they've, they've got the U Darvish trade as well, and they're picking up some of that money. Um, but I did notice with the Tatis Jr. Contract that it's, it's pretty heavily backloaded. So, um, at least in the short term, um, they've left themselves some financial flexibility, but there's definitely the, you know, the possibility that they could be, there could be a lot of sunk, sunk costs here. If this doesn't work uh, in some way, it might it might be like the the angels of not that long ago where you had all this money invested in Albert Pujols and some other players and it just didn't didn't come together the way that they had hoped so obviously if you're San Diego you're hoping for a different outcome but there's yeah there's the possibility that they may have invested heavily and won't get the return
1: does it help that they're the only game in town? That the Chargers are gone. That they've got a pretty big media market that now is Gaga for the Padres, and they feel like, look, even if we don't win, we're going to have the attention, our attendance, when fans can come back. They expect their attendance to go up, and they've got the Dodger rivalry as well. That, you know, even if they don't win at all or don't go deep in the postseason soon, that they've got a hold of an entire region that could help them pay these contracts.
2: Yeah. Yeah. I think it's, if that's, if that's the direction that they're taking, I think that's really savvy because, you know, you can capture the attention of that entire city. Um, so why not? I mean, it's, it's smart. Like let's, let's really invest in this team and we can be the toast of San Diego because, yeah, there's, there's no competition otherwise. Um, pro sports wise, that's about all they have. Um, and so. You know, yeah, you you can draw a lot of fans when the time comes. So maybe you get a return on some of that, you know, financially at least, where you're drawing drawing more people to the ballpark than you used to. Um, and play up that Dodgers rivalry for sure. I mean, have some fun with the old Southern California thing. I mean, you want to talk about the National League? Where where's the the most intriguing part of the National League? Is going to be Los Angeles, San Diego,
1: without a doubt. I mean, there's so much more talent. In the National League, in the American League, I'm, I'm, I'm an American League guy. How important is, is it going to be for the White Sox to be good this year, like really good this year? Because otherwise, it's kind of the Yankees, the Rays, mm-hmm. and then who? <laughs> like, that's it. Yeah, it,
2: yeah there, there's not a lot after that. Um, yeah, no. I think the White Sox are, are probably, at least in the American League, I think the most interesting team to follow how this all works out because, on paper at least, to me that looks like just about one of the best teams in the American League. Um, obviously, the question is how does all of you know how does this roster actually play out? How do they play out over a full 162 games? How does it work with a new manager? Um, you know, and all that Tony Larusa brings to the table, uh, both good and bad. Um, but I think it's really important for the White Sox to, to see some success. They got to the postseason in 2020. Um, obviously, didn't it didn't work out for them, I think, as well as maybe they'd hoped. But um, they got there, and so now the bar has been set for Chicago. You're a playoff team. You're, the expectation is, come October, that the White Sox are in the mix. And so, yeah, they, they need to, you know th- – they need to be able to replicate at least that level of success.
1: Jared, well, let's cover baseball for us here on Push of the Odds. So my Red Sox have a number of 79.5 for wins at most books across the country. What do you make of Boston's chances of being a 500-baseball team? Because Bloom is telling people, don't sleep on Boston. We're going to have a bounce-back year. I'm not sure what a bounce-back year looks like, but I do think they can win 81 baseball games. I, I think they can get to 500. What's your outlook on Boston? Yeah, I'm with you there.
2: I think there, there's the potential for a 500 season, um, but it's going to be really tough for them to go much beyond that. I like Heimblooms optimism, but when you still have Tampa Bay in the division, um, the, you know the Yankees aren't quite as good as they were even a couple of years ago, but they're still legit enough that they're going to make things difficult. Um, that's the AL East is still a tough division. So for Boston, unfortunately, that means you're probably still looking at kind of of middle-of-the-road baseball this year.
1: You mentioned the Angels earlier. What's your thought? Is it possible? Could you see the Angels having a breakout year and that Joe Madden gets the most out of Mike Trout? Mike Trout's got an MVP-type season in him, and this team for the Angels makes a run.
2: Yeah, I think there's a little bit of possibility for that. Um, Maybe – in large part due to the fact that like the Houston Astros aren't, aren't going to be quite as good as they were um, in the last couple of years. I mean, you, you still have Oakland to contend with there. I think you have every reason to expect that they'll probably be toward the top of the division, but yeah, I think there's room for the angels to make this their breakout year. You've got a, a lot of the right pieces in place. I think in Joe Madden, you've got a manager who, he's proven, he's very capable of leading different types of teams to the playoffs. I mean, he brought the Rays to the World Series. He, of course, accomplished all that he did in Chicago. Um, and now in L.A., I think he's he's the right guy who can figure out the, the mix to coax the best out of the people that he has.
1: What does it mean, Jared, that we just talked about where the, the American League is, but you basically can take 10 teams And draw a line. And the other teams in the league, the other 20 teams in Major League Baseball, are bad. Like, really bad. The Orioles are really bad. The Pirates are really bad. The Rockies are really bad. And they're not even trying. They're okay with being really bad. How much of a problem could that be for baseball once fans do come back?
2: Well, I think I think the biggest problem with that is what reason what, once fans can come back, what reason are we giving them to come back? Right. Um, because, like you said, if you're in one of those 20 cities, what's your you know what? If I live in Pittsburgh, other than just like the pure history of the franchise, the tradition, whatever, you know, hopefully later this year when I can go to a game, why would I want to? Um, you know, what are they, what are they, what reason are they they giving me? So I think the biggest threat, one of the biggest threats to baseball is you've got teams like this um, who are so blatantly not trying to field even competitive rosters. And and, what's the reason? And and with ticket prices doing what they do, um, you know, it's more and more expensive to go to a baseball game. And so, you know, if I want to take my kids to go see my local team play and a, they're lousy and B, the tickets are super expensive, then why would I bother?
1: It's true. And we'll end up with this. I mean, in terms of the pandemic, our teams taking advantage, quote unquote, I don't mean to call it that, but can they hide because fans aren't allowed in? So they only have, you know, 5,000, 10,000 fans that show up. Well, that's fine. That's the only number they can actually show up anyway. they only are going to have 5,000, 10,000 right. fans that are going to show up. Does that make it to the, do they have, Sure, their TV ratings will be down, but is this the time, I guess, to do it if you're going to tank?
2: Yeah, I think you can, to some extent, you you can get away with it a little bit. Um, Because like you said, you're you're naturally not going to have as many people attending games in person. And I think a lot of people with all everything else that's going on, or just perhaps paying less attention to sports than they normally would. And so they're not listening to as many games on the radio, not watching it on TV as much. And so, you know, you can have a really terrible season and not as many people are going to make note of it. Um, so the trick, so yeah, to answer your question, I, I think it's certainly the case of at least a few teams where they're, um, capitalizing on the situation to do something that maybe normally they would have liked to have done and just didn't feel like they could. Mm. Um, So the trick for them is going to be, uh, what's your plan for when this is over? Uh, When, when, (laughs) when fans are allowed in stadiums in full capacity again um, and all of the, all of those things, what's, what's your plan uh,
1: after all of that? It's a great question. Jared, good stuff today. Thanks for coming on. really appreciate your time. That is Jared Willis from Forbes, working or uh, covering baseball for us uh, here. Follow him on Twitter at J-W-Y-L-L-Y-S. Jared Willis on Twitter joining us here on Pushing the Odds. I like that Red Sox bet. Haven't made it yet, but Red Sox over 79.5 wins. Just waiting to see Chris Sale. Just waiting to see the starting rotation. Make sure that everyone's healthier, healthy for the year. But Sox over 79.5. I like that bet. More to come. pushing the odds because it's frustrating as a baseball guy. I think the cutoff line, I guess you could make a case for 12 teams. I said 10, but I guess you could make, make a case for 12. The teams that I think are worth paying attention to in baseball, obviously Dodgers, Padres, Yankees, right? I mean, All five teams in the National League East. So Mets and the Braves and... I think the Nationals too, personally. I'm I'm curious to watch the Nationals, but maybe you throw the Nationals out there because of their injury concerns. But they've got that pitching staff. So I just I think the Nationals, even though their offense is not as good as it's been in the past, I, I still think the Nationals are in the conversation. But White Sox twins, Blue Jays, Rays, Astros, Cardinals, A's, right? And then and then that's it, really. The Brewers, maybe. They always tend to make it kind of interesting. Indians are gonna be Bad. Cubs are going to be bad. Angels are going to be bad. Phillies, Red Sox, Reds, Marlins, Giants, Royals, Marlins, D-backs, Tigers, Rangers, Orioles, Rockies, Pirates. Bad. They're all bad. It's crazy. This is why when you're betting on win totals this season, if you want to know why the books have installed the Padres and the or sorry the, the Dodgers at 103.5 wins... is the projected win total to get people to bet on the under. you got to go all the way to 103.5 if you're a book. Think about that. Everyone looks at the other teams in the division and they're like, yeah, okay, against the Padres they should struggle, but everyone else? Nope, they're going to kill them. Okay, what about the, the NL Central? Oh, nope, they, that's garbage. What about the NL East? Okay, that's difficult, but how many games are they going to play? And they're really, really good, so they should win the vast majority of those games they're going to play against the NL East. It's remarkable. The Dodgers are just, on paper, incredible. The Padres right behind them. And that rivalry is awesome, so I'm here for it. But as a baseball guy, I can tell you right now, baseball is not psyched to have the best rivalry be on the West Coast. They would much rather have it be on the East Coast, and that's—I would expect a whole lot of pub for the National League East this coming year to get some people's eyeballs on the on baseball on the East Coast. Lunchtime with bookmakers next on XM. Pushing the Mets news next.